1: From the Financial Times, this is hard currency. A 3% fall in the yen in barely four hours of trading is making waves in currency markets as the Bank of Japan kept its powder dry and left monetary policy unchanged. Now, what does this tell us about the market's relationship with the BOJ? And while we're at it, what is the market's take on other central banks, notably the Federal Reserve, which on Wednesday was pretty noncommittal about further rate moves? I'm Roger Blitz, and welcome to Hard Currency, the FT's weekly podcast on the FX market. And this week, we have in the studio Derek Halpany, the European Head of Global Markets Research at Bank of Tokyo Mitsubishi. Derek, the BOJ, damned if they do, damned if they don't, they didn't, down goes dollar yen. That was to be expected?
0: Yeah, they were in a very difficult position. Clearly, this story that had come into the markets last Friday of further cuts to the interest rate paid on reserves, that that had really pushed dollar yen up. So we were in a situation where expectations were very, very high. In that sense, I'm sure the BOJ knew full well that a failure to meet those expectations was going to result in so a pretty back dramatic... it where it was before that. And, and below, you know, the, the dollar generally has weakened over the week. So dollar-yen is actually below where it was last Friday when, before it moved higher on the back of this speculation.
1: So the BOJ, in a really difficult place, is it out of ammunition? They were saying that inflation is getting weaker. Is the market pretty much given the kind of the Roman gladiatorial thumbs down to the central bank.
0: Yeah, like you can't deny that the options that the BOJ has are are running out. And therefore, I think today's decision is a reflection of perhaps how they have to be more careful in terms of the timing on when to move and to uh, Kuroda in the press conference kept emphasizing. Uh, the need for more time to assess the negative interest rate structure and how it's implemented and how it's kind of feeding through into the macroeconomy. So my sense is they do genuinely believe there's more that they can do, but obviously given the extent of what they've implemented so far under Abenomics, you know, th- there's only so much more they can do. And and to buy more JGBs, for example, that just simply brings forward the, the potential timing of when the constraint on the market is reached. So they need to be very careful in terms of when they decide to go again.
1: There's lots of commentary about whether the BOJ still is in control of the yen at all. I mean, I just wonder whether you feel like in a way that the ECB, the European Central Bank, is perhaps no longer fixated about trying to get the euro lower. Are we close to wondering whether the BOJ just simply has to accept that it's just not going to be able to control the yen?
0: Well, you know, first of all, what I would say is that they did have huge influence and huge power in devaluing the yen from extremely overvalued levels after the crisis when we were down at 80 in dollar yen. That was then though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, but the ability of central banks to move currencies when they are misaligned Mm. at an extreme level from fundamentals is, I think, still quite good. Now, the problem was that at 120, we'd gone the other way. We were extremely overvalued in terms of dollar-yen. And therefore, even if we had had action that impressed the markets, it wouldn't have lasted because of dollar-yen valuation being so extreme at 120. You know, the history of FX spot moves when you charted versus any kind of long-term valuation metric, be it PPP or fundamental equilibrium exchange rate analysis or other metrics, The period in which you're going to have a misalignment of 20 plus percent, you're always going to get a correction. And that's what happened.
1: So to my question, they can still regain control?
0: Well, put it this way, if, say, dollar-yen was to fall, I don't know, let's say another 10 big figures and suddenly we're below 100 again, then we're back at some of these metrics would put it at around fair value, perhaps even slightly undervalued in terms of dollar-yen. Then... The influence, there could be some better traction in BOJ decisions in terms of lifting Dolly And just other than that, the other important point here is that Economics 101, the BOJ are printing money and buying truckloads of JGBs, and they're going to continue doing that. Now, I know as of today, you could look at Dolly and say, oh, it's not working, they should give it up. But that doesn't say that in six months or 12 months or 18 months it won't work and it may take quite a while but in terms of the deflation mindset that Kuroda wants to get rid of that could take time because it's been ingrained in households over a 15-20 year period. It's the
1: long game it's just feel like we've been in a very long game with BOJ in Japan for quite a while.
0: Sure and while they're concerned and and I think you know the movements and certainly a three percent move today today is Problematic, And it's not mm. far off the type of levels that prompted intervention post the earthquake and tsunami in 2011. So if you get big moves like that on a repeated basis, sure. you know, they could intervene for sure.
1: So you therefore don't see Japan rushing down the fiscal path or the whole helicopter money argument becoming more center stage as, as the central bank for the moment looks shot of ammunition.
0: Well, I think certainly on fiscal, you know, we're definitely going to get a package and Prime Minister Abe will be announcing that. And I'm sure the sales tax increase will be delayed from next year. So there will be measures on fiscal policy. And ultimately, what that could mean is that the budget deficit, which is around 6% of GDP, Mm. and has been pretty much around that level post-crisis, you know, it hasn't really moved back up towards zero like in all the other countries. So... When you look at where the fiscal deficit is in terms of remaining at this deep deficit level on an annual basis, and you look at what the BOJ is doing, OK, Kuroda has said, you know, we can't do helicopter money. But, you know, in essence, it's a very, very muddy line between not doing helicopter money and doing it. And again, I go back to that time that I mentioned a moment ago. The longer they keep doing this, at some point it could result in a shift in thinking in terms of inflation expectations. Yes. And that's when you could potentially see Japanese household behaviour beginning to change. And I stress, just because it hasn't happened up until this point in time, doesn't mean it'll never happen. Okay. And I think there's that belief amongst the Japanese authorities that they need to pursue and keep going in order to change inflation expectations to boost nominal GDP. Okay, let's
1: just talk about the Fed. The statement out on Wednesday. What did you make of that? Very non-committal.
0: That would be it in a nutshell. They did become a little bit less dovish by removing the downside risks from the global situation, but perhaps they well they obviously they tweaked the description of the U.S. economy. So by that, they're perhaps a little bit more concerned on the domestic situation. But you know, in terms of not willing to give the markets an assessment of the risks, to me is the clearest indication that June is perhaps off the, off the table because surely if they were going to be raising rates on the 15th of June that surely they would be in a position to at least give us a view on where the risks are and if they can't do that it's hard to believe that they're going to be in a situation to raise rates we've, on we've talked
1: about June. the relationship between the market and the BOJ now the relationship between the market and the Fed is interesting because the context I suppose is that we read a lot of commentary about how the market has lost confidence in central banks per se and mm-hmm. policymakers they are very sceptical. And yet I put it to you that actually no one is more powerful now than Janet Yellen. For all the talk about how we just don't, market doesn't get the policymakers, they seem to be following the Fed's diktat even more closely than ever before. What do you think of that?
0: Yeah, I know, you know, we're all familiar with the term the Greenspan put, and then it's became the Bernanke put, and quite clearly the Yellen put is in play at the moment, and in particular, not through actual policy action, but through verbal communication, yes, which yeah. to me makes the point you've just made which you know Yellen definitely and the Fed definitely have the biggest amount of power still and from the point on the 10th of February when they didn't explicitly move the markets towards a March rate increase then the press conference explaining why they didn't in March and then the speech in New York on the 29th of March those three events just the power of communication was enough to change dramatically market sentiment and bring back risk appetite and restore investor confidence globally.
1: So does that mean that the market has a sceptical view about all central bank policymakers other than the Fed?
0: Well, I think it's perhaps more that certain central banks, certainly the ECB and the BOJ are perhaps a little bit further along the line, whereas the the Fed, in terms of reaching constraints on ability to ease... Whereas I think the Fed is a little bit different. Obviously, they've raised rates once. So they can obviously unwind that and go back to zero. And the negative yield structure in the U.S. could be politically more difficult. But it's an option that's potentially still there. But perhaps more importantly, the size of the capital markets means that for the U.S. in terms of going back to quantitative easing, the perception amongst investors is that there's certainly more capacity there than, say, there is for the ECB or certainly for the BOJ. So it's that symmetrical view of terms of what the Fed can do makes what they say more important in terms of shaping policy expectations going yes. forward.
1: And it also heightens the issue of rates divergence, uh, presumably.
0: It does. And again, I don't buy this. You know, People say, oh, the divergence team for FX is over. It's not. The only reason it's not driving the key FX rates is because there hasn't been any divergence. Yeah. And, You know, I think uh, Yellen, we come back to her on that, because I think she's managing expectations very cautiously, which means that if you look at the rate spread between Europe and the United States, it's been up and down a bit, but it's relatively flat through this year. You know, this is on a day when, of course, we saw the RBNZ uh, refraining from cutting rates when there was expectations that they would do. And the New Zealand dollar is up by 1.6%. So, you know,
1: divergence, not dead. Just coming back to the short term, how does May look? From the yen's point of view, we're coming into a Japan holiday period. So the week after next, where do you expect the yen to be heading?
0: You know, I think obviously momentum short-term in FX is very important. And the, the fact that the BOJ have refrained from taking easing action and the next likely period for doing something would be July. Momentum would be certainly with the idea that dollar yen could go lower. So 105, perhaps slightly below that, could be a near-term realistic target. Crucially, though, you know, I mentioned the US in terms of the slight increased concerns about the domestic economy. And again, as is always the case, the the payrolls report at the beginning of May would be very important. Because if that's another stellar report, then suddenly the idea of them not going in June is in some doubt. And that can help restore some stability for the
1: dollar, which would obviously help dollar yen as well. Indeed. My thanks to Derek Halpany at Bank of Tokyo Mitsubishi. Please join us again for hard currency next week. And as Derek alludes, that's going to contain some uh, pretty heavy data to come out of that period. Meanwhile, do keep up to date with all the forex news and analysis on ft.com forward slash markets. From hard currency, it's goodbye.
0: If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you might like to try our FT News podcasts, which focus on one of the main issues of the day and bring you the insights and expertise of our global network of journalists, as well as outside contributors.